Let's just dive right in. You guys ready? I'm fired up. You guys, you ready to roll? Let's do it. All right, so marriage means expectations, and expectation means conflict, right? And so we have to learn to deal with the unmet expectations in our lives. Genesis 2 says this. This explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. The phrase united into one literally means one flesh. It means not only is there a sexual union, but there's also an emotional union. And, and so it goes on after the scripture to say that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. Now, the older I get, the more I would be ashamed to be naked. But I will tell you this, that God does want us to be naked and unashamed with our, with our spouse, which doesn't just mean that I see my wife and she sees all of me, but it means emotionally, it means there's not hidden resentment, there's not hidden issues. So we bring all of who we are to the table and, uh, and, and really connect with one another. So to do that, we've got to, to learn to resolve some conflicts. You need to understand something. God has a plan for your marriage, but so does the devil. And he wants to destroy your marriage oftentimes before it even starts, but definitely even when it is started and going. And he will wait 20 years to spring a bomb into your marriage. And so you have to understand that. So we have to protect and guard our marriages. So the first thing I want to challenge you to do to help deal with conflict is to create a shared vision. If you don't have a shared vision, you will have division. Two visions is division. And so this is really important. Early on, my wife and I sat down and uh, we, when we were dating, I, I just shared like this is I remember asking her, like, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? What do you want to accomplish in your life? And and I began to share mine with her and we really got on the same page. It doesn't mean things haven't changed over the years because sometimes things do change. Remember early on in our marriage, I told her I wanted to be a youth pastor and and that's kind of what I thought I wanted to do. And then God began to stir in my heart to plant a church. That was a big change for her. She's like, whoa, 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 what? There's no church. There's no people. There's no building. There's therefore no budget, no insurance. I mean, like she wanted to start a family. She's like, that's going to interrupt all that. And so I, I realized I needed to have like a plan and a backup plan as well. So I happened to be working for a, a company that had a branch down here. And, and, I, and I said, look, if, if the church isn't going well, if we ever start to run out of money, I will go to work as a salesman and make sure we're always covered. And so I had to lay out a plan that made sense for both of us, luckily, I never had to do that. Thank God the church took off and did well. But I will tell you that you have to have a clear plan. The reason I want to bring this up, especially I want to talk to the men for a second. Men are all big on being a leader and I'm leading my home and all that kind of stuff. That's great. But sometimes men use the word leader to think that just means they dominate their spouse. They tell them what they want, that kind of thing. No, 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 no. Guys, lead with ambition, with leadership, with servanthood towards your spouse. But also, you know, don't forget men that a lot of times women get frustrated, your, your wife may get frustrated with you because at one point when you were talking about getting married and, and you're crazy about her and you had all these big plans and then you kind of abandoned those things. And so she may feel duped. Like, I thought you were going to do this and do that. And then now you're, you're not doing any of that. And so it's like, you, you have to have this plan and vision because that stuff matters. And so I just want to encourage you to start with having a united shared vision. Guys, I didn't just plant a church 24 years ago. We planted a church 24 years ago. It was a united vision. We did it together. And so I think that's critical to understand that. So create a shared vision. Second of all, if you're taking those, number two, have an honest talk to discuss your unmet expectations. We all have unmet expectations like I thought it was going to go this way and it didn't go down that way. We all have some of that. And so just know that just because you have a shared vision for your future doesn't mean it's all going to be just wonderful and easy you will still have things that frustrate you about your spouse. And so you got to learn to talk about those things. 
1 Peter 3 says this. It says, you husbands should live with your wives in an understanding way. Show them respect because God gives them the same blessing he gives you, the grace that gives you true life. Do this so that nothing will stop your prayers. God says, basically, if you're not going to listen to her, bro, I'm not going to listen to you. Wow, that's pretty strong, isn't it? God's like, don't even pray and expect me to answer your prayers if you're not listening to your wife. That's how serious God is about us listening to them. And then he says to wives in 1 Peter 3, 1, be good wives to your husbands, responsive to their needs. There are husbands who, uh, indifferent as they are to any words about God, will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. You know, that verse describes my mother. My father was not a Christian. He was not interested in the things of God. But my mother loved him. She didn't lecture him. She served him and was just a great wife to him. And through that, over time, God worked on my dad's heart. She would wake up every Sunday morning, get, get us ready for church when we were little. I don't remember any of this, I was so little. But she would get us ready for church and she would say, honey, you wanna go to church today? Every Sunday morning she would say this. And he'd always say, no, nah, I don't wanna go, y'all go ahead. He said it over and over again until one day God got a hold of him in a very, very powerful way. But my mom did not lecture or argue him into heaven. She loved him into heaven. And so just know this, ladies, if you're in that situation, don't give up, don't quit. God can turn things around and get a hold of your man's heart. And so he can do that. And so I praise God for my mother's faithfulness to my dad because my father's a godly man and has been for many, many years because of my mom's faithful. Isn't that cool to know that? It can make a huge difference. It really can. So, but I want to encourage you if you're both married and, and you're both Christians and even if you're not a Christian, you may have to have a hard talk with your spouse. Now, Please don't ambush them. Don't just show up and say, hey, we need to talk. You need to fix this, 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 and this. Don't do that. That won't go well. Instead, you have to go approach them and say, hey, I need to talk to you about some things. So whenever you're in a good spot, like whenever you're kind of an emotionally good moment, let me know and we can talk. So you give them a little warning. You can't expect them just to sit down on the couch and, you, and just to go sit on the couch and just start blasting them and think that's going to go well. Don't do that. My wife, uh, early on in our marriage, had this uncanny ability to always want to talk to me in the middle of a Texans game. And if you know anything about the Texans, I'm already in a bad mood. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> no. no, but the truth is, is that she is good about this. But say, hey, when, when can you, I want to talk with you or I'll tell her that, hey, when you want to talk. And it really does help. But you have to work through those issues. It is not a lack of love, but a lack of friendship that makes for unhappy marriage. And so this is why I'm going back to singles. This is why I tell singles, you know, don't jump on the sack. When you do that, you just make it all about physical passion and you don't even know this person. And then you end up getting married to this person and then you're like, I, I mean, all we know is how to do stuff physically, but we don't, we don't know each other. So instead, if you'll hold back, God's word was right. God just didn't just say, don't have sex till married to, to torture you. That wasn't the purpose of it. The purpose of it is, is so that you will know each other because here's the crazy thing. I don't just love my wife. I like her. Like I, I married my best friend. And so because I know her, because we wait in all the other parts of the relationship, because by doing that, God has blessed that. And so in the same way, even if you didn't do that early on, just take the time to really get to know another. It's a game changer. It really, really is. But I highly recommend that you have an honest talk about areas that you're not connecting where you, your, your needs aren't being met. You're going to have to have that talk, which can be difficult. And I understand that. Now, let me warn you about this. When you have a talk like this, watch your words. Because sometimes we just go at each other. And isn't it funny how the harshest things you've ever said to someone are probably to the one you love the most. And so we tend to have the harshest words. You know why we can cut our spouses down so, so good? Because we live with them. We know where they're weak. And so when you're upset, you know how to hit them. 
And so it's easy to do it. It says in Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we have to be careful not to have those harsh words. James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Let me just say it this way. God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. But you know what we do? We get in this big argument. Guess what? The whole time my wife's talking to me, I'm just loading my bullets. Uh-huh, go ahead. Just load my bullets. Getting ready. Just take a breath. Take a breath. Just take one breath. Oh, you stop. And just go at each other. And so the whole time you're going at her, she's just loading her bullet. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say You're not listening to each other. You're just going at one another. So instead, learn to listen. Stop talking. And just listen. If you'll do that, you really will learn something about them. And then when you do talk to them, use kind words. Proverbs 16 says this, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. You know, when you are berated on a daily basis, it will eat away. It will literally physically make you sick. It really will. And so I just want to encourage you to watch your words, use kind words with each other. Now, one of the areas we're talking about conflict, one of the biggest areas that married couples have a conflict in is about sex. So I want to take the next two or three minutes to talk about that. I know you're like, only two or three minutes, but that's as long as you take. So I thought that'd be appropriate just for, <laughs> just being honest. I mean, I'm... so let's talk about sex a little bit. So <laughs> you'll get it in a minute. So in a minute. Uh, so there was a grandma uh, that uh, the, the, the granddaughter came to her and was like, hey, grandma, um, how old are you? And the grandma was like, oh, that's inappropriate to ask how, how old I am, right? And so she's like, okay. So the next day she says, hey, grandma, how much do you weigh? She's like, sweetie, you can't ask these kind of questions. It's inappropriate. And so the next day she comes and says, grandma, I know you're 64 years old and you weigh 158 pounds. And she was like, oh, how do you know that? She says, well, I saw your driver's license. And your driver's license also said that you failed sex. You got an F in sex. <laughs> so I want to help you not get an F in sex today. I told my wife I was talking about sex. I was like, babe, I'm talking about sex this weekend. I'm an expert. She laughed just like you are. I don't understand. It. So I want to talk to you about this very candidly, very honestly, if I can. There's a couple of scriptures I want to point out. I only have a couple of things to say about it, but it says in 1 Corinthians 7, it says this, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the, the wife to her husband. I like to go to my wife and say, hey, babe, I'm here to give you your conjugal rights. <laughs> so goes on to say this, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So it says, basically, if you're not going to have sex, it's, it's because you're praying. So I'll say to my wife, like, you're praying, right? She's like, yeah, I'm in prayer right now. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what's, that's what's holding things up. Got it. Okay, so. But this verse does tell us something pretty, pretty important, and that's number four. We have to prioritize our sex life. It actually needs to be priority. And now, now before you get upset, because it never fails that one or the other partner gets upset about this. Now, I'm going to speak stereotypically, but it's not always the case. But most of the time, honestly, one spouse or the other may feel like they're on a forced sexual diet. Like, in other words, they're wanting to do it more often than the other. Typically, it's the man. Uh, and and there, there's, there's several reasons for that. Number one is because you're a horn dog. But number two... <laughs> Can you say that in church? I don't know. No. But actually, here's the truth. God made you that way. God, God designed you that way to be the pursuer. It's not a, a bad thing. Now, men, I will say next week, I'm going to talk briefly about this. I do think sometimes men think they need it more than they actually do. I'm going to touch on that next week. 
Because, um, in fact, by the way, even talking about sex right now, you know, I'm joking around, but here's the truth. Some people are extremely mad right now. I'm even bringing this up. And if you are that frustrated, in fact, when I talked earlier about, about having a conversation about unmet expectations, if you're just beyond angry and thinking, you just make it sound like just one talk and I'll be fine, and you're just really mad, then you probably are not having an issue in your marriage. You have probably what I call an exposed marriage, which means there's an issue, but the issue could literally take down your entire marriage. So next week, we're going to unpack that. Next week's message is called Protecting Your Marriage. And there's a handful of things that I really have seen over and over again that have made marriages completely collapse. So be sure to be here next week as we unpack that. I used to be the marriage counselor for our church until it grew too big for me to do that. I've heard a lot. And so I want to unpack some of the consistent things I hear that destroy marriages. So make sure you're, you're here next week for that. Now, having said that, a couple of things I want to point out. There's a book called His Needs, Her Needs by Willard Harley. It's an older book, but it's really powerful because the book is based upon a 10,000 couple study where they asked 10,000 couples the same question. They asked every man in the relationship, what are your top five needs? And every woman, what are your top five needs? And they found they consistently heard the same thing, categorized them into five things. I'm not going to go over all five, but I want to tell you the first two for men, ladies, this may help you. The number one need a married man said was sex regularly. Number one. And when you ask the average man, they would say going from number one to number two is a far drop off. Like it's a very big deal to a man, okay? And then number two for a man is recreational companionship. This threw me for a while until I realized, no, that, that does matter to me. You know, I love at least once a year, uh, I'll take the family skiing if I can. And uh, we're going to be going, going skiing next, this next month for a little bit. And I will tell you one thing, my wife, she'll ski. She's not crazy about it. But when she commits to go out there with me, I love it. Like, it's just something about it. She's like, I'm going to go slower. I don't, want, I don't want to go on blacks or blues. Let's go on the greens. Those are kind of easier slopes. And I was like, I don't care. That's fine. I'm, I'm cool with it. Just, just having you out there with me is a game changer. So there's something about it for a man. Just that recreational companionship does matter a lot. Now, this doesn't mean, ladies, you have to learn how to play golf. If you don't want to golf, don't golf. If you don't want to fish, don't fish. But what you may need to do is find something you choose together to learn to do. Do so you say, we'll both learn this together and it can be something recreationally you do. For us, it's not something complicated at all. My wife and I like to go walking together, and it's a game changer. I and mean, we just have we have great conversations. Sometimes we pray, uh, and sometimes we just walk and talk. And uh, it's it's really it's great. It's just simple, and we enjoy doing that together. And so we like to travel when we can. It's not not often that we can do it, but when we do it, we love to do that. And so it's just something we like to explore different areas. And so it can be expensive or inexpensive. It's not about the money. It's just about the time. So I want to encourage you to do that. So again, ladies, the number one need for men is sex. Number two, recreational companionship. For, for women, men, listen very clearly. The number one need for a, a woman, according to all these studies, was affection. That's a big deal. And then number two was conversation. You know the problem with the whole conversation thing is? Is that there was another study that was done that women use twice the amount of words in a day that men do. Which is why when you come home and you're like, hey, how was work? And he goes, busy. That's all he says. Why? He's done. He's used all his words. He didn't have any words left. <laughs> so, so you actually have to, men, you got to make a decision to, to talk. You got you to open up and talk. It's really a, a big deal that, that you learn to do that. One thing I had to learn to do early on, Jessica would like start talking to me about this problem or whatever. And so I'm a problem solver. I'm like, oh, well, just do this. And she's like, babe, I wasn't asking for you to solve the problem. I want you to feel my pain. I was like, oh, she wants to be like a girlfriend. So I'm like, she did not say that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
It's a big deal, though, for me to engage in conversation. So having said that, here's the thing. Here, here's the big part I wanted to say with all this, and this is important. Women will use sex to get affection, and men will use affection to get sex. Both are using one another and typically end up very unsatisfied. Instead, if you both go in saying, I want to meet your need, rather than focusing on myself, that's when great things can happen. Does that make sense? Let's make it about the other person. But this is really important that you hear this. For both men and women, you're married, right? Which means that, ladies, this may sound harsh, but it's the truth. You, I'm pretty sure, want to be his only source, right, sexually. So that makes it really hard if you're never available. Make sense? Now, the other side of that same equation is men, you, I'm sure, want to be the only source for her affection. So when you don't show affection, you make her vulnerable to other affection from other people. So this is why it's such a big deal that we understand both of our needs here. Because if we don't understand that, zero in on each other, then we can both feel empty and feel like we're missing something. And that is why the scripture says, you know, when you don't have this regular time together, guess what? You're setting yourself up for the devil to tempt you. Now, in case you're wondering what God thinks of sex, God wrote Proverbs also, and this is a verse I want to read. It says, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. I mean, that scripture is pretty clear. And all the men in the room said, hallelujah. Okay, so, but the Bible's pretty clear that God is pro-sex. He's also pro-romance. He created these things. And so they're for you to enjoy, but it can also, if you don't have an open communication, become a source of pain for the two of you rather than a source of joy. Proverbs 13, 17 says, reliable communication permits progress. You gotta talk about these things, which means you also have to talk about, and this is a little embarrassing, but it's the truth. You gotta talk about what you are looking for, what you want and don't want which you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk about that. Well, I'm not talking about going on Facebook with it. This is like the person that you're married to. So if you can't have this honest conversation, then you're going to have a real breakdown. I mean, like this person sees you naked, you know, like when you've got stomach issues and you're blowing it out, they see that. I'm just saying that like they really know you. I can't believe I just said blowing it out in church, but pray for your pastor. I'm half saved. Let's be honest. So but the deal is this, is, is that if, if you can't have an honest conversation about this, and this is the only person in the world you should have this conversation with, but you still need to have it. Or you'll end up having an unmet need and be frustrated. They don't know you're desiring this. So ladies, if you feel like he's not being affectionate enough, what does that look like for you? What, do you, what, do you, what are you wanting? Tell them that. Say, hey, I'd, I'd like you to hug me a couple times a day without grabbing me. Tell them that. You know, hey, I'd like to, you know, for us to engage, to, to, to go out and get dressed up and, or whatever it is you're, you're interested in. I think it's important that you communicate that. So that's really a big deal that you do that. Now, I know a lot of the women are saying, oh, this, this sermon is so man-centric. I, I know, forgive me, I'm a man. And so I admit my bias here, but in two weeks, my wife will be talking up here with me. I'm excited to have her on the stage. And so you will get a woman's perspective. I'm very excited about having her here. But it's true also, I will tell you that since I'm talking about sex, that men can make anything sexual. Is it not true, men? We can, can't we? Like, it's true. My wife's like, hey, babe, can you wash my car? I'm like, oh, I'll wash your car. He's like, what? You know, like, I'll stir your coffee. Like, How in the world did you make that sexual? But 
somehow we can do it. I don't know. It's just a, it's a gift we have. So now this is important, man. Let me tell you this too. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I don't know where this is going. I'll finish your sermon. Okay. I'll stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So Philippians chapter two, verse four says this. This may be my last week, and this may be it. The, the elders may be watching. I'm over. It's it. This is, this is it for me. Okay. So Philippians 2 verse 4 says this. Don't look out only for your own interest, but, but take an interest in others too. This is really important. Men, let me help you out. You ready for this? Men, if you, if you want your wife to be more responsive sexually to you, to your advances on her, guess what? Then do your part in the division of labor in the home. Okay, which means this is pretty simple. Guys, we can't expect to come home from work, and, and, and they've been working all day too, either in the home with kids or out of the home. They've been working all day too. And then you come home, you plop down on the couch, you grab the remote, you're watching TV and she's getting ready, getting dinner ready and she's taking care of the kids and she's getting ready for bed and all this kind of stuff. And you're just sitting there and then you expect to become frisky after that. And she's like, are you kidding me? Like you're totally unplugged from our family and then you expect me just to like, you know, be the sex pot for you all of a sudden. What in the world are you thinking? So you got to clue into this, guys. In fact, li women, help me out here. The most sexy thing a man can ever do is to be fully engaged with his children and his family. Woo! It's true, right? All the ladies are like, uh-huh, that's what I'm talking about. I know. I know. It's a big deal. It's true. So when the kids were little, our kids are older now, but when my kids are little, I would say to Jessica, I'd be like, hey, babe, I'm going to take care of dinner tonight. It didn't mean I cooked. It means I ordered Pizza Hut. But either way, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to take care of dinner tonight. I'm going to get the kids ready for bed. I'm going to get them bathed and get their homework done. And she's like, oh, baby, just keep it up. I'm like, that's right. I'm going to clean the kitchen. Mm, yes, sweetie. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I'm telling you right now. I'd be like, you know what? You just go up to the bedroom. You just relax, read a magazine, chill out, get rested, and be ready. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but if I plugged in like that and helped with the kids and around the house, guess what? Things went well for Pastor Bill. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So men, plug in to the family. Plug into your relationship. And guess what? If you do that, things go well. My point is this. Is sex is not about sex. It's about your marriage. How's your marriage going? That'll tell. I don't even need to ask how the bedroom's going because if I know how your marriage is going, then I already know how the bedroom's going. Does that make sense? It's always been about the, the bedroom. People tell me, we need to spice it up. No, you don't. You need to get your marriage on track. That spices it up. So you can sell the little Bo Peep outfit. You don't need that junk. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That just came out. I don't know. I don't know. So... <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just, thanks guys. It's been great. I'm going to, okay. So, but it's really true that it, it's really about the marriage. If, you, if you're plugged in with the marriage, then all the other things really do take care of themselves. Just want to encourage you with that. So it really is about those things. So, but also let me just say this, you know, kids can kind of mess all that up a little bit. I'm not, not going to lie. And so um, that's a big thing too, because sex leads to little kids and then kids lead to little sex. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just a, so, 
So you had to prioritize your relationship. And so this is where a date night was a game changer for my wife and I early on, especially when the kids were little. And sometimes a date night just meant going to Target, you know, honestly. But that was like really cool though. So like, hey, let's go to Target. Yeah, it sounds great, you know. And so, you know, it could be something simple like that, but just prioritizing that time was a huge thing for us. And so I encourage you to do that. Listen, if you don't do that, you know, my, my daughter, our youngest is about to go off to college this next year. And she's going to be my wife and I. But, you know, a lot of couples end up divorced when all the kids leave the home because you got so busy being a mom, so busy being a dad that you forgot about each other. And so I want to encourage you, don't do that. Instead, re-engage. And, and, and you may have to relearn them. Be like, hey, we need to kind of get to know each other again. And so it's okay to do that. But, you know, I, I love my daughter, but I can't wait for her to get out of the house. I can't. I'm like, I'll get out. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to miss her, you know that. But the truth is, is that I can honestly say that, I mean, we'll be sad, you know, but I, I'm good. I love my wife. Like, we're going to have fun. And so I would just want to encourage you, it's okay to re-engage. You may just say, hey, you know what? We just got so caught up being, uh, you know, little league dad, being cheerleader mom, that we kind of forgot that all this started because a boy and a girl fell in love. Sometimes you got to remember that. My wife has that, had that sign on our bathroom wall for years. Let's not forget what family started with. A boy and a girl fell in love. And just remember that. Does that make sense? And the last thing I want to tell you is this. When everything else fails, stay committed. When everything else fails, just stay committed. It says in Scripture, Malachi chapter 2, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Now, that scripture seems like it's just focused on men. Like, don't divorce your wives. But, but that was because when it was written, it was only legal for a man to, to divorce his wife. But, of course, now in our culture, it's legal for a man or a woman to do it. So I think God would say to both of us, he would say, don't do it. It's cruel. It's literally cruel to divorce your spouse. It's cruel to your kids. It's cruel to yourself. Now, I want to say this. Those of you who maybe feel guilty that I brought this up. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've already blown that. Well, God's a God of grace. He will give you a fresh start. And I don't know if you're on your second, third, or fourth marriage, but make this one go the distance. I believe that's what God wants for your life. It is a game changer. Here's my, my last thing on this is this. When you're in a fight, when, you're, when things aren't going good, never, ever use the word divorce. Ban it from your vocabulary. That is not an option for us. My wife knows we're ride or die. Divorce is not an option for us. Murder, that could be an option at times. <laughs> the truth is we're in this for life. <laughs> and that's what God wants for you as well. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why it just comes out. I don't know. All right, let's pray. Every head bowed and right closed. Thanks for being with us today. I hope this has been a fun yet also powerful message. For all of us today, every head bowed, every eye closed. The perfect marriage is just two imperfect people who refuse to give up on each other. Will you make that commitment? Will you reaffirm that commitment? Maybe you're sitting next to your spouse. Just reach over and hold their hand right now. Say, I'm in this. Baby, I'm in this. You can't get rid of me. It's ride or die for life. This is it. Make that commitment. Renew that commitment. Affirm that commitment to one another. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe single today. You just, your prayer may need to be, God, I want to have that kind of marriage. I, I want to wait. I want to hold out and do this the right way. I can't expect to date like the world and have a marriage like God. I want to date like God. 
so I have a marriage like God wants. Make that commitment to him. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, couples, would you reaffirm your commitment to one another? Maybe you're really going through it. Maybe you got lawyers involved already. Not too late to call them and cancel that and say, no, you know what? I I may feel like I've got irreconcilable differences, but the truth is, is that we all have differences. And Lord, you are the ultimate reconciler. So God, I thank you that you can resurrect my marriage. He can resurrect the affection you're missing. He can resurrect your sex life. He can resurrect the whole enchilada. He can, if you let him. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, have you given your life to Christ? You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Just pray this with us out loud across all of our churches. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that simple prayer, you just gave your life to Christ, would you just lift your hand high right now? We'd just love to know if you just gave your life to Jesus. You're not alone. There are hands going up all across our churches right now. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Just hold your hand high. You're not alone. Praise God. We thank you. Thank you. We see those hands at Rodfield. Thank you. Thank you, Rockport. Thank you, Stone Oak. Thank you, Padre. Those of you online right now, you can let us know in the text chat. Just say, just text right now to us, my hand's raised. Praise God. You can click hand raised at churchunlimited.com right now. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, I want to thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the healing that has already begun in our marriages. Make us stronger, Lord. Thank you, God. We want to do this right. We want it to go the distance and be healthy. And thank you, God, that you give us relationship goals. But you don't just give us goals, Lord. You give us the power and the wisdom to fulfill those goals. Thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.